This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. The Food Bank Council of Michigan produces data to share with our legislators that indicates the rate of food insecurity for their districts. This data is derived from several sources and is housed at our office in Lansing. As you know, there are currently 14 congressional districts in Michigan for the United States Congress. But here inside Michigan, there is a total of 148 seats that make up our legislature, 38 Senate seats, and 110 members of the House. Food Bank Council of Michigan distributes one-pagers to each member of the legislature indicating how prevalent food insecurity is for their district. Let me be clear, every district in Michigan has food insecurity in it. Every district. The statewide food insecurity rate for Michigan under blue skies, the time we are not under a cloud like COVID-19, is 13.7%. However, under the curse of COVID, that rate has arched up considerably to over 18%. While food insecurity exists in every legislative district, House or Senate, in every county, every city, town, township, or village, it is more pronounced in some places than others. Now, what you might be wondering is what is the reaction of the members of our legislature when we share this very detailed information about how many people are struggling to take hunger off the table and replace it with quality food for their families? That would be a great question. Here is what you should know. Every legislator I have spoken with is concerned about the people in their district that are food insecure. The people who are not sure where their next meals are coming from. The people who are living under the toxic stress in a perpetual state of anxiety, wondering what am I going to eat and what am I going to give my kids. A circumstance that consumes the mind at all times. Now to be certain, there are legislators who get it better than others, but I've never met anyone who thinks that children being hungry is okay. Today our guest is former college football star, NFL player, and United States Marine who turned his attention for all the right reasons to become a civil servant and is now the representative for District 2 of the Michigan House of Representatives. Representative Joe Tate is our guest today and he is our guest because of his reaction to the one-pager I presented to him about the food insecurity rate in his district. Representative Tate was emotionally distraught, upset, and determined to help people of his district get access to the food they need to live. Jerry Brisson and Representative Joe Tate join me after this quick break. Welcome, everyone. As promised, Jerry Brisson joins us from uh, the Gleaner's office in uh, in Southeast Michigan, along with Representative Joe Tate, 
So, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Jerry, you're here every week, but I, I'm excited to see you as always. <laughs> you know, you at least <laughs> fake it really well, Doctor, and I, I appreciate the effort you make. I really do. <laughs> but it's, it is good to be here, and uh, great to see Representative Tate. You're, you're looking fine, my friend. Are you feeling okay? Feeling good, feeling good, Jerry. And as you know, you know we're right down the street from one another. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, feeling good, and obviously um, there have been some challenges with COVID nineteen. But uh, it seems like the communities, especially in, in House District Two, where I've been seeing a lot of people have been meeting that challenge. So that's that's been encouraging. Well, I want to talk a little bit about District 2 for sure, Representative, um, but let's first, let's, we want to talk about you because um, you and I met in your office when I shared with you um, a data, a one-pager about the food insecurity in District 2, and I was telling Jerry before the show that really before I could even get out of your office or down to the elevator, here you came to say, well, wait a minute, what is this? And, and you knew that the people in your district, some of them were struggling, but I think that that, that data really, um, knowing your education background and everything really just resonated with you. And, um, and you and I just, you know, over a lot of things, including, you know, Coach Saban bonded immediately. <laughs> and, um, you know, so we just, just want to talk to you a little bit about your background because you you're born and raised in Detroit, and your parents were both serving the community. Uh, your dad was a firefighter. Your mom's a, a Detroit public school teacher. So you had this modeled, this idea of civil service modeled from, from right from the beginning, I guess. Yes, absolutely, and and and. I should have said this from the outset. Thank you all for having me on uh, today. It's always. Uh, been a pleasure and it's been a pleasure getting to know both of you uh of, frankly i know in our our really short time of uh of being around and working together um so thank you for that but yes uh it's uh service was r really taught from from my parents uh my dad as you mentioned uh, was a firefighter for the city of Detroit. My mom was a public school teacher, actually at an elementary school for a long time in, in the district, Clark Elementary. Um, <clears throat> and I never knew my father. My father passed away in the line of duty uh, when I was just a baby. Uh, but just knowing his story and knowing who he is, uh, who he was, um, and how he interacted with the community, not only being you know, um, fire, firefighter, but obviously a father and uh, um, a community member, uh, um, a, a preacher in church, it just, you know, the, the list goes on and on. So uh, I think in part, I, I try to emulate, you know, who he was as a person um, um, from the stories that I was told from, from family and friends. Sure. Well, you know, from there all the way to Michigan State University as a uh, scholarship athlete, um, distinguished yourself in the classroom as well, became captain of the football team your senior year, um, you know, did a hobby job in the NFL for a few years. And then, you know, if that wasn't enough, you had to enlist in the United States Marine Corps. 
So, you know, there's just not a lot of guys walking around like you, Representative. <laughs> I like to say I've been higher than fired a lot. <laughs> well, you know, your whole life has been one of service. And then to, you know, step out to run for the District 2 representative, I mean, we've got 110 different House districts here in Michigan, and District 2 um, is a very unique district. Uh, tell us a little bit about what the geographical areas of District 2 are. Yeah, um, so District 2 is, um, as you said, it is uh, pretty unique. It, it sits uh, along the Detroit River and Lake St. Clair. And it covers uh, the Lower East Side of Detroit, uh, and then it moves east into uh, Gross Point Park, Gross Point City, and, and Gross Point Farms. Um, so, although we only have you know four municipalities uh, within the district, it is a, a wide spectrum of um, of uh, communities, you know, vibrant communities, but, you know, obviously uh, communities in, in certain ways in different standing, you know, you go from very affluent neighborhoods uh, to, to very you know, working class neighborhoods, uh, all in the same district, uh, all in, you know, within blocks from one another, uh, right. frankly. And that, and, and that is uh, something that certainly makes it uh, very unique, even though I, I think everyone in the district uh, generally wants the same thing. Uh, I think that's uh, something that can be said across the state. Uh, it does have its uh, unique um, uh, nuances across mm -hmm. uh, the district. Well, Jerry, you're pretty familiar with this district, I think, since you guys are really neighbors. <laughs> yeah, we are. And of course, you know, it's it's a uh, his whole district is in our service area, and so we we want to make sure that we're serving the residents of District 2 very, very well in terms of their food security needs. And I know we've had uh, mobile distributions throughout the pandemic um, in various places in the district, as well as some of our regular partner agencies um, and, uh, and, and close by as well. So, uh, so certainly appreciate also serving uh, the district in the way that we do and and in the partnership that we've had in terms of just communicating with each other and and getting to know you know from both perspectives all the things that are going on it's uh, it's really important that we all stay in touch and uh, and you know unify to the degree possible all of the responses we're having to you know our new reality i guess we're all calling it a new reality and uh, even though we're not 100% sure exactly what that means, we just know it ain't the old reality. <laughs> right. Hey, guys, let's take a quick break here. I want to come back and delve in a little bit into the food insecurity um, needs within District 2 and uh, what we're doing about it together. Uh, this is Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. Our guest, Representative Joe Tate. Uh, from District 2 for the Michigan House of Representatives. We're all three back with you in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. 
Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here with our guest, Representative Joe Tate from District 2. And uh, Representative, we we sent um, that one pager that's kind of infamous now that was the galvanizing part of our initial friendship and, and partnership. Uh, District 2 has some pretty unique challenges in the in the and the idea of unemployment, but particularly in the poverty rate. And in the, the first segment you were with us, you described that this the district is varied. I mean, you've got a lot of the gross point communities, and yet you have also some of the parts of, of uh, lower east side of Detroit, and, um, and they're different, right? And this, this poverty rate of 28.7% uh, is is a distinguishing factor for District Two. I mean, people are that are there are having some struggles, and uh, one of the first struggles we always think about, of course, on our show is food insecurity. Absolutely, and um, it, as I mentioned before, and one of the I guess another points to to add to that when you look at the district is we have. Um, zip codes of the highest um, households with the highest median income in mm -hmm. the state. And we have zip codes with the lowest median income in our state, wow. again, right next to one another. Uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, just when uh, I saw it, you shared the data um, with it, I think it was something that was obviously known just intuitively that that mm -hmm. we had households in the district that were food insecure. But, you know, almost we're talking about one in three households in House District 2 uh, that don't know when where their next meal is coming from. And I think for me, that was really uh, certainly shocking to me um, when you look at. Um, our, our landscape and obviously with the challenges that we've been facing with COVID, all of that has done is, is kind of um, shed some light on the challenges that, that households have had. So um, it, it's, um, it, it's certainly, you know, as, as I even say it, it's certainly um a big challenge, obviously something that you both have, are in every day, but to see those numbers, it was just, um, it was shocking. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's heartbreaking for sure. Knowing that those are families and kids and right. people who are trying and doing, you know, that are working there, you know, and then, then throw a pandemic on top of it all where people can't work, you know, um, it was just, it's, it's been it's been very very difficult to see Jerry yeah I, I much appreciate you know the level of effort that you continue to put forward to make sure that you're getting what you can for the people in your district I mean and I do know that um, that there's there's a lot of work to do but there's a lot of work being done right and so there's you know in spite of the fact that there is a struggle and as as dr. Phil just said, you put numbers to faces and it takes you to a whole new place. You know, you, you have, you know, working moms and you have a lot of kids, you know. Um, so many of the food insecure people in our community are children and people don't always put that face on on food insecurity. You know, they, they think of the guy on the side of the road that says we'll work for food, but that's a very small percentage of the people who actually need help. It's it's 
almost half of all the people have a job. You know, so so you're you're talking about people who are struggling to make ends meet. And one of the things we like to say is that people aren't needy. They're worth investing in. And we like to think about what we do is we make investments in people so they can get on to their next success. And I know that resonates with you just because I know you so well and the investment you're making with your handful of life. So what I'm curious about is so with this as kind of a backdrop, what are you hearing from your district? What are people concerned about right now? What's top of mind? There's so many things it could be. Uh, just a short time ago, we were all talking about fixing the roads. And, you know, not that we don't need to do that and not that that conversation is done, <laughs> but here we are just a few short months really later going, does anybody remember that? I mean, what are you hearing from people? Right. Oh, that's a great question. And, and, and it did. It, it really flipped on its side, uh, I think, once we started um, moving into responding to COVID-19. I would say right, currently right now, um, I would say the biggest issue that we do have um, in the district is around unemployment. Uh, unemployment benefits ah. and and connecting um, residents to uh, the benefits those benefits that they deserve um, and it's certainly been uh, overwhelming for the unemployment insurance agency uh, they've never seen you know numbers like this uh, come in ever frankly um, mm -hmm. and while there has been a lot of um, working a lot of individual, the majority of individuals, I think it's close into the 90% of individuals that have received their benefits. Still, there, there are many that have fallen through the cracks for, for one reason or another. And that's uh, big. Those are responses that we've been getting uh, around unemployment. So that's probably number one. Uh, the second is around um, what is school going to look like? Um, I yeah. think. Uh, I got know, that we, concern we, at my house too, and it's because my wife is an employee of the district. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, you know, what, what does that look like? Uh, what is that going to look like uh, for us? And that's something that we've been, at, in fact, we're debating in the legislature um, into the evening um, uh, about, you know, this, this issue. So there are a lot of parents that, and, uh, and ed education employees as well, teachers and staff, uh, that it's a real uncertainty. Um, you know, how do you, you know, obviously that you're weighing, you want to educate, obviously there's a need to educate, um, uh, our children here weighing with the safety and what does that look like, uh, as we're kind of in the middle of, of the COVID pandemic. So those are the two largest, uh, issues, you know, we have a couple other issues, but right now they're, I think they're on the back burner <laughs> right. just yeah. because of, um, <laughs> what we're, we're dealing with. <laughs> well, I think that education and what is school going to look like is um, is something that's on a lot of people's minds, and as it should be. But from our perspective at the Food Bank Council and our seven Feeding America food banks here in the state, it's since mid-March when schools were closed, our lines have gotten longer. Mm. And one of the first groups that came to us were kids 
and their families, students and their families, and particularly those students who might be more dependent on free and reduced breakfast and lunch. And so we geared up to, to, to uh, meet that need, so to speak. So, you know, prior to COVID, we were doing about 2.6, 2.8 million pounds of emergency food every week. Since then, we've averaged about 4.3 million pounds every week. So wow. these bring to us infrastructure questions. So if you're delivering, distributing 4.3 million pounds with a infrastructure built for 2.6, and now that need is going to continue if schools don't, you know, reopen, so to speak, or reopen partially or ever how it's going to look, we understand that the demand across our network is going to continue. You know, so it's uh, it's a challenge for us. Um, you know, like everybody else, you know, as Jerry calls it the new normal or the new reality. And hell, I'm still trying to figure that out. What does that even mean? You know, <laughs> what is the new reality? Um, you know, because the school's open, that's a different scenario for us than if they only open partially or some don't open at all. And I think that Jerry and his team and, and the entire Food Bank Network are built that flexibility in to try to meet the need within the community. Jerry, is, is that what's happening in some of your conversations with other food bankers and with your team? Yeah, the big question we're getting right now is if school districts are going to either full or partial virtual learning, how are the kids that qualify for free and reduced meals going to get that food? That's, mm -hmm. that's the questions that we're all getting now. How, what, what is going to happen to those uh, households? Um, and, and, you know, every plan, except for if we get to, you know, very far along in terms of controlling the pandemic, every plan has a, has a fallback to, well, if we get to stage three, then it's all virtual. And if we get to stage five, then it's all good. But it's in between three and five, that stage four, that people are offering different options from, you know, go to school two days a week, go to school three days a week, go just in the morning, uh, you know, have all the elementary kids go to school, but have high school be all virtual. I mean, we've seen a lot of different district plans. And so right. it's really hard from a coordination standpoint to say, okay, how do you coordinate district by district the food needs of those households. But that's what it looks like we're going to end up doing, right? It looks like it, it, it's going to be a different solution for every school district to some degree, though it'll probably normalize in the next few weeks. I know a lot of school boards are making decisions at the beginning of August about what is exactly their plan going to be. And my kids go to the Ferndale School District, and I know we keep mm -hmm. hearing from them, you know, they're looking to, to announce or have their, their official plan sometime in early August. So, Well, I think it's a great opportunity for you and I to get to talk to Representative Tate so that when he's in those discussions in Lansing, he'll have the perspective of the food banks about how do you plan to create food security among students who are dependent on free and reduced district by district. Holy right. smokes, that's a problem. So we got to save it for the next segment. Representative, I hope you'll stay <laughs> with us for one more. Jerry, we'll be back in just a moment. You can folks come back and be with us too.
Food First Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Thanks for listening, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here with our guest, Representative Joe Tate. Uh, Joseph Tate, I should say, former MSU football star, NFLer, um, and United States Marine, now serving the people of District 2 in the House of Representatives for the great state of Michigan. So, Representative Tate, thanks again for being with us. And um, in between our, our uh, segments there, we were had a pretty unique question to come up. And, of course, my unique questioner... Uh, <laughs> And chief instigator, that's that's my official title. The the infamous co-host, Jerry Brisson, asked you a very interesting question. I want him to ask you again and let all the folks hear about it. Well, you know, we do have all of us kind of grappling with what do we do at work? A lot of people are home all the time, um, working from home and having to set up that home environment. Other people have to go to work. I mean, my truck drivers go to work every day, right? So in between those two extremes, we have people like you, <laughs> Representative Tate, who, who you know, ha- certainly have work to do in your district, but also are still going into Lansing for legislative activities. And so I'm just curious to hear, what has this been like for you? What are the, what are the kinds of things that are different in your job as a legislator as you're trying to grapple with the realities of the pandemic and the the various different uh, orders and county laws and all the other things that we all know about? That's a really, that's a great question. And um, so, it, so it's been a challenge and a change. It's um, in the legislature and as, as you know, the, the governor in um, one of her executive orders uh, allowed local um, and, uh, municipalities, governing bodies to, to meet virtually um, and have that opportunity instead of um, coming together, whether it's a city council or you know, county commission. Uh, instead of meeting in person, you can meet virtually. The legislature we do not have that. That's not set up there. So we have been meeting in person and voting uh, in person, but it's it, it's been a little unique, uh, at least on, on the House side. That, like you said, there are 110 of us, 109 of us um, now uh, for the time being. Uh, we closed a gallery in the chamber um, and we've... my my colleagues have been sitting in the gallery um, trying to adhere to a social distancing protocol. And uh, also on our work computer, we can vote uh, because usually we vote at our desk um, and we have buttons where we can, you know, yay or nay. Um, and now we can vote uh, on our computers. It's, it's kind of a geo mapping tool. So we have to be in the chamber but we can still uh, vote from from our desk, so our our computer. So that's been unique. Um, and then in terms of committee meetings, um, we've been doing that in person as well. Just uh, just again adhering to social distance social distancing. And uh, for like our caucus meetings or anything that you know. Um, we are a little more flexible on. We have been doing that primarily through video conferencing and, and over the phone. Uh, I assume like, like many other uh, 
organizations have been. Yeah, what about getting lunch? I mean, you know, just the simple things that, you know, with, with so much disruption, you know, I, you know, I already know that your schedule over there gets to be pretty crazy and very tight from thing to thing to thing. And so every little wrinkle can create a whole other process like, oh, what am I going to do now? <laughs> You're right. It was, it's been uh, that even in Lansing, and, and you both are familiar with Lansing, you know, there's uh, a little... Um, drag with uh shops and restaurants uh and at the initial um onset of COVID-19 you know everything was closed so it was it was uh you know we would <laughs> have to try and find a snack or something from the vending machine if we didn't bring anything in ourselves uh slowly they're starting to open up and we have other options but uh for a time there, it was pretty strange. Even like uh, the coffee shops, like they were closed. So usually we'll, we could run downstairs and grab a cup of coffee, but it was <laughs> it wasn't there. So uh, that has that has made it a, a a little unique. Even here back at home, yeah, just um, running over to grab a, a bite to eat. Uh, it's certainly uh, been a little bit more. You have to get a little bit more creative. <laughs> so well, it's been kind of funny. I'm sorry. It's been, it's been kind of funny to see legislators, you know, taking a sack lunch into their office building, uh, you know, but literally, you know, the only thing I'm missing is like the Jetsons lunchbox or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so many other things that you sort of take for granted when you go to Lansing. You know, I, I know that when we've gone there for Hunger Solutions Day or some of the other things that we do to draw attention to to the issue of food insecurity, mm -hmm. you know, you're always kind of fighting for territory with all the other groups that are in Lansing to make a point about one thing or another. You know, so uh, aside from a, a, an occasional, uh, you know, uh, at the beginning there, we had some pretty strange crowds showing up. Uh, is it is it is it fairly quiet now or are you still seeing groups out there or you know what's happening from that front uh it it is it's it's fairly quiet um it started it, initially it was it was really no one around like you said uh, uh, there were a few protests there that that um i think uh gained some attention and uh but other than that it, it's been fairly quiet uh, but I think things are, are starting to, people are starting to come back. I, I, I know um, there was a group there actually exercising out on the front lawn, uh, socially distancing. Um, a few days back, I think that, that I did see. Um, but in terms of like, you know, usually normally you have like school tours and you have, um, you know, individuals and obviously meetings coming in uh, and into the office. But that that really has has slowed down, but it's slowly starting to 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 pick back up. Right. Well, it's well, nice. I mean, especially those school groups, you love to see the kids see the 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 process actually taking place because mm. if you never see it, you just don't have any line of sight to it. So anyway, doctor, go ahead. Well, I just, I just uh, wanted to make sure that we got uh, the last word in here with representative Joe Tate from district two. He's been our guest today and uh, representative. Uh, I, I just got to tell you that, you know, uh, 
looking at your research, looking at your LinkedIn page, your resume, your bio and everything, I think that the district uh, two folks are well represented. Um, a gentleman who has been in service of his country and his community virtually your entire life. And so um, I'm, I'm thankful that you're there and uh, we appreciate your work. We appreciate your friendship. We appreciate your partnership. And we're going to see what we can do together to drive this food insecurity rate down in District 2. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me on. And thank you for all the work that that, that you all are doing. I mean, I uh, there's not a day that goes by that I don't see a Gleaner's truck uh, in the area. So I, I appreciate all of the, the, the work uh, you all are doing um, and trying to ensure, like, you know, brilliance in the basics, like what are the basics that people need? And you all are, are, are meeting that, um, food is, is, is core to that. So thank you for all that you're doing and thanks for the opportunity. And you know, my door is open. I appreciate, you know, our friendship and, and what we've been, uh, able to, to partner with and looking forward, uh, to doing that in the future. Absolutely. Jerry and I are back in just a moment to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan. Thanks, Representative, for being with us. We're back in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry Brisson back here in our uh, makeshift studio. That was Representative Joe Tate. Guy gets it, Jerry. He gets, he gets the priority of food insecurity in people's lives. Well, nice to have Joe on and, and nice to hear about what his life is like as he's going through this. You know, we, we sometimes take for granted the, the people that work at the state and even national level and what work they actually have to do to pass legislation and come to agreements about what we need to do next. And we, you know, but to just talk with him about his life has been disrupted and changed as a result of all the things going on and so i think it makes it makes us all aware that you know they really do understand what we're going through uh in a in a much more personal way than we sometimes think so it was nice to hear about that but also i mean representative tate has stood with us as we've come to the table explaining what food insecure people need and getting support from the legislature for making sure that they get it and we're really grateful for his efforts no question well, you know, Jerry, something that gets missed, I think, a lot about our legislature is uh, qualifications. And so this is a gentleman who has a, a bachelor's degree in public policy from Michigan State University, two master's degree from the University of Michigan, a wealth of life experience, excelled to become the captain of a major college football team, speaks of his leadership. Yep. The, the, the performance and, ex, and the service he rendered as a United States Marine uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan, and to come from a family that has given their life in service. His dad, who died in service as a Detroit fireman, and his mom as a um, public school teacher. I think we're blessed to have people of this caliber, like Representative Joe Tate, representing us. And I, this is a guy I know personally that listens more than he talks. 
yeah. we said we 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 want to we want to talk about Joe and his life and experience and everything, and you said, well, it's going to be hard to get him to do that. <laughs> to brag on himself, he won't. He, he won't, won't do it. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was pretty cool, I think, to to have him on and uh, know that he really does stand in the gap for the folks in District Two, and a very unique district in and of itself, as we talked about on the show. So I guess it's time for a little food for thought. With the recent passing of Representative John Lewis, I have thought about our representative, Joe Tate, and the conversations we've shared. Like many of you, I've read quotes from Representative Lewis, and one stood out to me that reminded me of Joe Tate, not because of his political office, but because of the man that he is. Representative John Lewis said, Ours is not a struggle of one day, one week, or one year. Ours is not a struggle of judicial appointment or presidential term. Ours is a struggle of a lifetime, or maybe even many lifetimes. And each one of us in every generation must do our part. Joe Tate is doing his part. And I'm glad he understands, as we do, that for people struggling to be self-sufficient, that food security is the first step towards becoming self-reliant. And that's why we say every week, it's food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.